In today's gospel, we find Jesus in a conversation with a lawyer. The conversation isn't going terribly well from the lawyer's standpoint. He knows the scriptures all right, but when it comes to the issue of identity and definition of a neighbor, he really thinks he has got the young rabbi cornered. But Jesus, as so often he does, tells a little story, a simple story. We call it a parable. Now, to start off, we need to remind ourselves of something. Jesus is a Jew. His hearers are Jews. They share a common history and live under the same set of laws that have governed the Jewish nation for generations. And Jesus is part of that culture, even though he occasionally speaks out against some of its deeply held tenets. And so we call this little story the parable of the Good Samaritan. The term Good Samaritan has entered our language. We use it uh, sometimes without thinking when someone does something helpful or does a kind act for somebody. They say they, they're being a good Samaritan. Maybe we recall the story, maybe we don't. But it's common enough in our language, so we even name hospitals about it. We all know this story very well. An unidentified man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, that's not very far. It's only about 20 miles. But the change in elevation is dramatic. Jerusalem is sighted at 2,500 feet elevation. Jericho is 800 feet below sea level. It's the lowest city in the world. The road is notorious. It's dangerous, especially for lone travelers. Attacks by bandits and robbers are common. And nobody takes this journey lightly. Our traveler is attacked by robbers and beaten severely. His money is stolen, and he's unceremoniously dumped, critically wounded, into a ditch beside the road. As luck would have it, soon tra some travelers come along. One, a priest, perhaps going down from Jerusalem after having served his term at the temple, is hurrying down the road. Later, a Levite, perhaps on some sort of business of the, of the temple, also comes by. In each case, they continue on their journey without ever recognizing the man in the ditch. Now, some have tried very hard to construct plausible deniability, 
for the behavior of these two. They say, well, the road is dangerous. Yeah, the road is dangerous. Well, they really were trying to get to where they were going in a hurry so they wouldn't be attacked. Yes, that's true. But even the taboo of touching a dead body, which would render them ritually unclean, doesn't provide an excuse, since the same Jewish law demands that one go to the assistance of someone in need, someone who is injured, who is hurting. They don't even bother to check to see whether he's dead. They simply pass on. Now, the wounded guy in the ditch doesn't need thoughts and prayers. We hear a lot of that these days. He particularly doesn't need them from the other side of the road. He needs somebody who will get into that ditch and help him. Take care of him. And now a third man comes down the road. He recognizes the body in the ditch. He stops. He gets off his animal. He climbs down into the ditch and finds the man seriously wounded, but still alive. He assesses the injuries, comforts the man, binds up his wounds, and administers first aid. And then he carries him out of the ditch, places him on his own animal, and they head off for the next canvassery, where he pays the innkeeper to look after the victim and assures all that he will return to check in a few days and make up for any accrued accounts. But, and this is where the story hinges. The third man is a Samaritan. We hear a lot about Jesus' healings, discussing things with Samaritans, but I don't think we really pick up on the degree of hatred that existed between Jews and Samaritans. The Jews hated Samaritans with a passion they loathe and despise them. It was said that even the shadow of a Samaritan would cause a Jew to become ritually unclean and demand ritual cleansing. When Jesus asks the lawyer, which one of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell at the hands of the robbers, the lawyer responds, the one who showed mercy on him. He couldn't even bring himself to use the word Samaritan. But we all know this story. We've heard it so many times. I wonder if there is a way we can make it come alive for us. Amy Jill Levine is a university professor of the New Testament and Jewish studies at Vanderbilt University. Divinity School in Nashville. She describes herself as a Yankee Jewish feminist who teaches in a predominantly Christian divinity school in the buckle of the Bible Belt. 
And she's written a brilliant book. It's called Short Stories of Jesus. And it's about his parables. She says, for a final sense of the profundity of a parable, we need only to look <clears throat> at the ancient texts in current contexts. Content in context. Not a bad way to read scripture. And she tells a parable of her own. And here we go. Samaria, she writes, today has various names. The West Bank, occupied Palestine, greater Israel. To hear the parable today, we need only to update the identity of the figures. I am an Israeli Jew on my way from Jerusalem to Jericho, and I am attacked by thieves, beaten, stripped, robbed, and left half dead in a ditch. Two people who should have stopped to help pass me by. The first, a Jewish medic with the Israel, Israel Defense Force, and the second, a member of the Israel-Palestine Mission Network of the Presbyterian Church USA. But the person who takes compassion on me and shows me mercy is a Palestinian Muslim whose sympathies lie with Hamas, a political party whose charter not only anticipates Israel's destruction, but also despises Jews as subhuman demons responsible for all of the world's problems. She concludes, the parable of the good Hamas member might be difficult for people in support of Israel's existence. Were Jesus a Samaritan, however, we'd today have the parable of the good Jew told in the streets of Ramallah. If people in the Middle East could picture this, we might have a better chance for choosing life. In these days when so many are expressing their thoughts and prayers, and goodness knows they're needed, but thrown, many of us perhaps are thrown, tend to throw up our hands in dejected resignation move over to the other side of the road and continue on our journey. But my friends, we are called to neighborliness. Do you ever feel like you just can't handle anymore? You don't even want to look into the ditch. Do you ever mutter some words about having enough problems yourself? And so you move to the other side of, this, of the road. The good Samaritan and the good Muslim do what God does. God dives into the ditch, gets dirty and bloody in order to bind up the wounds and make healing begin. God is already there when we arrive. God uses all kinds of folks to do that work, even some folks that we don't even like. 
Can we do anything less for those all around us in this wounded, battered, bleeding world where the building, the binding up of wounds and gentle care are so deeply needed? I'm afraid thoughts and prayers alone won't get the job done. We worship a God who does stuff. God makes things happen. God creates, God preserves, God summons, protects, heals, binds up wounds, and yes, sometimes instructs and challenges. Many of those things happen to one in one of those ditches beside the road. But God is always, always there in the ditch to meet us. Thanks be to God. Amen.